Are today's problems overwhelming you? Encouragement from Pastor Ray Bentley. You are going to go through trials. You are going to have tribulations. You are going to have things that are not very pleasant that you have to endure. You will have enemies. You will be examined. You will be tested. But I'm telling you this so that the whole time you are going through this testing, you can have peace. Because I have overcome the whole world. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Jesus is not unaware of the problems you're facing. He isn't an ivory tower deity. He faced trials as we do. And today, Pastor Ray shows us one of the times of testing in the Lord's earthly ministry and what we can learn for our daily walk of faith. It's good medicine for the sickness of this world. The title of the message is In the Image of God. So I remind you what the Bible tells us, you were made in the image of God, all right? Absolutely. So if you have a Bible, uh, go to Matthew 22, beginning in verse 15. It says, then the Pharisees went and they plotted how they might entangle him, Jesus, in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples, along with the Herodians. So we've got two groups joining together to confront Jesus, the Pharisees and the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness, and he said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. And so they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled, and they left him, and they went their way. So Jesus here is being tested. And guess what? You're his follower. You're his disciple. or That's why you are here. So guess what? You're going to be tested in life as well. So again, I want to read uh, verses 15 through 17 and kind of to set up what's happening here. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his talk. And they sent him their disciples with the Herodians, saying again, Teacher, we know that you are true. Now, I think they're being disingenuous. If they really believed he was teaching the truth, they wouldn't have been asking him this question, certainly not trying to challenge him or trap him. But they're kind of laying it on like, Oh, yes, you're wonderful. And you teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Now tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This was probably on Tuesday of Passover week. So it started with Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday then, you know, goes to Friday, which will be Passover. 
meal and, and all of the sacrifice of the lambs. And this is Passover week, so Jesus is being challenged and tested. His enemies are trying to trap him by using a series of loaded questions. Now, the Pharisees, the religious people, you know, the religious leaders, he exposed their pride and he warned them, you know, that judgment could be the consequence unless they listen to him and open their hearts. Now, when we say the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, it doesn't mean all. It means many, but it does not mean all. There were some who actually were still looking and listening and thinking about Jesus that eventually became believers. One of them uh, would be a Joseph of Arimathea right after Jesus was crucified and he gave his tomb. Nicodemus is another one. Came to Jesus at night. Uh, he wanted to know more. He was intrigued. He was impressed. And to him, Jesus said, you, you need to be born again. Nicodemus. So there are believers. And then after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would fall, and many of the religious Pharisees and religious Jewish leaders became believers and were part of the early church. So we're not saying everybody. But these are the Pharisees and this group that were coming against him. Now, obviously, they did not like being humiliated in front of people, and they are bent on trying to discredit Jesus in some way. They want to trap him so that they can arrest him. So that's partly what's going on here. But there is another reason that Jesus is being questioned, and it's one that his enemies not only didn't realize, but if they had only known, they were being used by their testing him and trying to trap him, they were actually fulfilling biblical prophecy. Because, as we mentioned, this is called Passover week. Jesus has been explaining to his disciples the whole point of my ministry the last three years culminates this week. And this Passover, I, who am the Lamb of God, am going to be crucified and buried, and on the third day I will rise from the dead. That, that was his whole life purpose was to come and to be the Passover lamb. Three years earlier, John the Baptist had pointed Jesus out and said, behold, that man, that Jewish man right there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So Israel had been practicing Passover for 1,500 years since the days of Moses, thousands of lambs sacrificed. But as the Word of God says, the blood of animals cannot really pay for the sins of men. It was all a prelude. It was a picture. It was a foreshadowing of when finally God would send His Son as a man to pay the, for the sins of all men and women as He became the sacrificial lamb. Now, here's the deal. On Palm Sunday, we know, that, you know, Jesus sat on the little donkey and He comes down, Hosanna, Hosanna, blesses you, comes in the name of the Lord. I've mentioned to you in the past that it was also on Palm Sunday that Jesus did that, that is, Lamb Selection Day for the whole nation. That's the day that every family chooses their lamb. Now, when they choose their lamb that will be sacrificed on Passover, it's very important that you have a lamb that has no blemishes. It has to have no, you know, scars or imperfections or anything at all. So they, they choose that. And to me, Palm Sunday was like God looking down from heaven saying, hey, Israel, Choose my lamb, choose my son. He is without blemish. He is pure, holy, inside and out. So he's pointing to him. But then what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? 
We put it in a little pen by uh, the family for four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then so, you know, Friday will be Passover. During those days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the lamb is watched, the lamb is examined every day, the lamb is inspected, they keep looking at it, and it is tested for those four days. Why? They're seeing if maybe there's a blemish that will arise that they hadn't seen or some infection that will come out. or the, They're making sure by testing it, it doesn't have any blemishes at all. So do you see where I'm going with this? The Pharisees are examining Jesus from every single angle. They are looking desperately, trying and motivated to find a fault to find a blemish, to find something wrong that would disqualify him. But in the very end, after all that the testing that they had done, they found no fault in him. He was blameless. He was holy. He was set apart. He was sanctified. There's never been anybody like him, nor will there ever be again. He is the holy son of God, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But may I say then this, Jesus said that if you follow me and you are my disciples and I will lead you to heaven, I'm gone to prepare a place for you, then you as my disciple will be treated in your life like I was. You also will be examined. So I wanna just say to every one of you that are believers, surely nobody here has everybody in their family and circle of friends that's 100% saved. So those who are not, are often the ones that are the most critical of you. So you're the believer in the family, or the Christian, or the religious guy or gal or whatever. They're constantly looking for a flaw, a weakness, something to expose or whatever. Now look, I wish that it was like this, that the moment your, your eyes are open and you're like, wow, you, you realize who Jesus is, I know I'm a sinner, and you get saved and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and wash you in his blood and fill you with his spirit, and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I think it would be kind of cool if just right then, now that you're saved, you're already now God's son or daughter for eternity, why not just pop and go into heaven immediately? How many would be okay with that? What's wrong with that? But God says, no, you are staying down here for a brief season, and during this season, I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to grow to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. So God uses this little kind of in-between time called life on planet Earth. You know, it's not long, but it is a season, and part of that is to make us grow. And part of how you make people grow is that you test them, you examine them, and so we also will go through tests. But here's the good news. Because of what Jesus did and has gone before us, John 16:33. this is what Jesus told the disciples then, and it applies to you and I today. Let's read it out loud. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You are going to go through trials, you are going to have tribulations, you are going to have things that are not very pleasant that you have to endure, you will have enemies, you will be examined, you will be tested, but I'm telling you this so that the whole time you are going through this testing, you can have peace. In fact, I want you to be encouraged by this. I have overcome the whole world. 
I've defeated everything, every sin, every vice, every demon. I've defeated it all. I have overcome. And as my child, I am in you. So he who began a good work in you will not stop nor cease until he's done and complete. And he will perfect that which concerns you. You will be in the end like the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realize he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So next, when our enemies unite to trap us, we must answer with divine wisdom. So in verse 16, again, they come to him and the Herodians, the Pharisees, teacher, we know that you're a man of God, you speak the way of truth, you don't regard uh, people and position. Tell us therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So Jesus says, why do you test me? You hypocrites, show me the tax money. I want you to notice here that, first of all, there are two groups that are enemies. Uh, Pharisees are religious Jews, and they are seeking to follow the law. And they do not like the Herodians. The Herodians, they claim that they are Jewish also, but they're in political power as Jews, ruling over all the other people, especially the religious Jews, and they get paid money by Rome to manage them and keep everybody under the thumb of Rome. So Pharisees despised the Herodians, political Jewish guys, and the Herodians kind of were always feeling like that we're being picked on by the Pharisees. They did not like each other one little bit. They couldn't stand each other, but both the Pharisees and the Herodians wanted to get at Jesus. So guess what? The Herodians and the Pharisees who were enemies finally came together. Have you ever heard the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? So enemies come together. And what's amazing is that in those groups that are criticizing, whether it's Jesus or the Bible or Christians or the church or Christianity or whatever, that are actually opposed, bitter enemies of one another, isn't it interesting how they can all come together when they're attacking the Lord or attacking the church? And many times when they come to us, they believe that they can trap us and make us look bad, just like they wanted to do in Jesus' day. And they want to trap you. So they had Jesus in this way, because no matter how he answered, if he said, because the dilemma was very, very palpable, if Jesus said taxes should be paid, he would be accused of denying the sovereignty of God over Israel, making himself very unpopular with the Jewish people. If he said taxes should not be paid, he makes himself the enemy of Rome, he's guilty of rebellion, and they can send the Romans after him. So the enemies are like together, okay, we got him. What's he gonna say? 
Should you pay taxes? Yes. Or should you pay taxes and say no? Either way, we get to jump on him and go after him. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus, knowing their hearts, and I love this, Jesus teaches us that sometimes the best answer to a question is another question. So I wanna, I wanna just share with you something. Sometimes when people come to you and they go, oh, so you're one of those, okay. So you believe this or you believe that and they're wanting to trap you. And you're like, oh, I don't wanna deny the Bible. The Bible says this and I don't know. And we feel all this pressure or we're sweating. And you know, I remember being a young guy in Bible school and man, I wanted to know the answer to every single question. I had to have all the apologetics down and I'm carrying libraries of answers in my head waiting you know, for people to ask all of this stuff. And then to get into it, and then, may I say, I wish you would have known me when I was a young little whipper, snapper, whipping and snapping in Bible college, because I had the answers, man. I could, man, I'm ready for you. And I will tell you this, in my mind, I won every debate I ever had. <laughs> but I did not necessarily win everybody that I was talking to. Do you know what I'm saying? You can win the debate, you can win the argument, you can win... And you know, they don't call them Bible thumpers for nothing. I mean, you can just say, no, the Bible says it, that's it. You know, so what I began to learn, and it takes time, in many ways, you know, people talk about, well, humility, and it's so important, you know, that you be humble. And do you know where humility really comes from? It's not an achievement of greatness. Humility comes from being humbled many, 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 many times where you make mistakes and you go, oh, so I'm not gonna do that again. I'm gonna learn from that. And humility is just kind of growing up and being honest. And what I think Jesus gives us here some wisdom, so I'm just passing on you what I have learned, what I've experienced, what I've come to see and appreciate that's right here in the scriptures. Sometimes somebody, they're trying to press you and they're digging deep and they're driving for it. Tell me what you think and driving for you go this way or that and they've got you. Sometimes the wisest thing you can do is to answer a question with another question. And that's exactly what Jesus does. I wanna give you an example from the Old Testament of another time and with, another, with a believer. So this is where, you know, these, these are not yet believers, but there's another time where God actually had a believer ask him questions, kind of demanding, if I may say with a little bit of an attitude, and God responded to his questions with more questions. And his name is Job, who believed in God. And God loved Job, and Job had a great relationship with God. He believed in God. He was a great example in his city, community, his family. He had sons and daughters. He was wealthy. He was prosperous, successful. God's blessing was on this guy. And then sadly, in chapter 1, God and the devil are having a conversation, and God starts bragging about Job. Oh, have you seen Job? He's so awesome. He loves me so much. Let me just say, I don't necessarily want God bragging on me. So anyway, where this story goes, because then the devil goes, well, of course he loves you. Why wouldn't he? You've got him all blessed, and he's all happy and healthy and wealthy and successful, and you won't let, let nothing happen to him, but I'll tell you what, I know Job deep down. You take all that cool stuff away, because he really loves you. What, what, Job, what Satan's accusation is that Job only loves you for your stuff that you give him. He doesn't really love you. Ooh. So God goes, okay, you can go this far. Sadly for Job, that was pretty far. He loses sons and daughters. His business collapses. His success goes out the window. 
everything falls apart. And last of all, he's got boils head to toe. He loses his health, but he's still alive, suffering. Why God? And then the big part of the book of Job is, is about Job's three friends, which I think is hilarious and an oxymoron. Three friends. These three friends gather around Job. Oh, we're going to be with you, brother, and you're suffering and sit in the ashes with you. And basically, they sit and stare at each other for a while. And finally, they look at him and they go, so Job, like, what did you do? Come on, dude, be honest with us. We're your bros. We know. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> What'd you do? I mean, God doesn't do this to people that are cool and good and righteous. I mean, you, what did you do? You, he goes, I don't know what I did. So finally, in the end, though, Job gets bold enough to where he's honest, he's raw, he's suffering, he's in pain, and he takes his little clay fist and he's shaking it, God, you're a God that's so big and you're so powerful, and why suffering? Why me? Why now? Why this? Here's what I have done for you, and now this is how you treat me, da, 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 you know, and he goes on, and God allows it. So here's good news for all of us have been there. All of us have been frustrated. All of us have said, God, why? You're so big and powerful and loving. Why did this happen? Why to me? Why now? And we shake our fist. Good news about dad. He's got big shoulders. He can take it. And the beautiful thing about Job is, rather than talking just to his friends or to nature, he talked to God and he bared his soul. That's prayer. That's relationship. Raw, real honesty. You can be real with God. You can be honest with God. God can handle it. But here's what's interesting. After all his questions, and he's waiting. He's just like you and I, you know. He didn't see anything. He's just praying by faith to God, who's the creator, but invisible, until all of a sudden, oops, God literally, his presence, his power, his glory, and his voice shows up. Hey, be careful when you pray. Be very careful because God may show up in a way you had never even prepared for. And he's like, it's like all of a sudden, where'd all those questions go, you know, right? He's like, I heard about you, but I hadn't seen you. Woo, he's shaking like a leaf in the wind. And then God starts to speak to Job. And in Job chapter 38, he gives, here's what God said. Job 38, verses 4 and 5. Let's read it out loud. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And then the next two verses. To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? God never answered Job directly. Here's why I did what I did. He never answers that question. God answers Job's questions with his own questions. And what God is showing is that his, not only his power, but his mind, his ways, his thinking is so beyond, we can't figure God out. And we certainly cannot demand that he come and explain in our way. All the questions went away. Pastor Ray Bentley with insight from the life of Job and from our main text in the Gospel of Matthew today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, In the Image of God. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.